Hello and welcome to episode two of Coffee Chats Coffee from Being Delivered. I'm your host, James Coffee. Today we've got a double episode for you featuring two great coffee roasters we've featured on Being Delivered this year. First up, we've got Richard from New Kid Coffee based in Letterkenny in Donegal, chatting about how they got started, uh, why good coffee should be easily accessible for everybody and how they aged coffee in local whiskey barrels. Next up, we've got Dylan from 89, founded by JJ Darkhoven, based in Dunleary here in Dublin, um, who have both a cafe and a roastery. And we chat about Probat roasters, coffee tins, and hear Dylan's tips for brewing coffee at home. So stick on the kettle, brew up a coffee, and listen as we chat to these two roasters about their coffee journeys. Okay, so today we've got Richard joining us from New Kid Coffee. Richard, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Um, it's great to get you here and it's great to have you talking to us, especially after um, having such a great coffee feature with us back in January. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, James. Great to be here. So I suppose we'll get straight into things. And if you want to tell us a bit about New Kid Coffee um, and about the roastery itself. Yeah, so... Um... I suppose it's, it's probably best to go back even further and kind of tell you how I got into coffee because um, I suppose uh, sometimes I've listened to a lot of coffee podcasts with uh, roasters telling you how they get into roasting and a lot of them go back and, and kind of go right back to their childhood with very romantic notions of, you know, sitting with parents who are really into coffee and making coffee and then they kind of grew up and loved it and, and all that kind of thing. And unfortunately, that definitely wasn't the case for me. Um, I was always into food and, and flavor, but for me, coffee just didn't didn't come up on the sort of radar at all, because I suppose for most people up until about maybe 10 years ago, coffee was generally pretty, pretty awful. Um, so so I definitely wasn't one of those romantic kind of notions of someone who grew up with coffee. Um, I was originally, just to give you a background, I was originally an accountant um, who pretty much hated, hated their job. and. I suppose from there, I left my job and, and set up a small wine business in Letterkenny of all places, um, which is unusual since I'm originally from Belfast. But um, I suppose just to tell you how the coffee came in, we, we, we grew the business and we wanted to introduce other items apart from wine. So we um, got in touch with Sheridan's Cheesemongers and we started having uh, cheese and different items in the shop. And the only reason we decided to bring in coffee was because I didn't want the place to smell of cheese. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, and this is only this is only as recent as maybe seven or eight years ago. So up until seven or eight years ago, I didn't even really coffee didn't really come up in my horizon apart from being a stimulant. So obviously working, you need something to get, get you going. So coffee was purely functional and, and definitely nothing to do with flavor. So anyway, not to go on too much about it, we, we wanted to get the, rid of the smell of coffee, uh, or sorry, the smell of cheese. And so we wanted to get coffee in, into, into the shop and, and sell takeaway coffee. But like a lot of things, whenever I don't know anything about it, I try to go to someone who does. So um, I think this was just um, before uh, 3FE started roasting. So mm. I managed to find out there's a fella called Colin Harmon who seemed to know a thing or two about coffee. So, so I basically uh, phoned him up and um, I said, look, we don't know anything about coffee. We need to get coffee for the shop. Uh, who should I speak to? And he says, well, we haven't started roasting yet. So um, what will, you know, but I would point you in two directions. One's Bailey's Coffee up in Belfast. And the second one is Badger and Dodo in Cork. Oh, yeah. um, they're your guys to go to. So um, so we, I didn't like the name of Bailey's. Basically, 
because it sounded like Bailey's coffee back then and you know, <laughs> that kind of that mix. So I kind of thought that would confuse customers. So I thought, well, Badger and Dodo sounds pretty cool. So yeah. I picked up the phone and I gave Brock a call down in Badger and Dodo. Oh yeah. And to my surprise, Brock kind of put me off the idea of taking coffee off him, which was a little bit unusual because, you know, you, you, when you go to a supplier, you think you're giving them some good news that you're going to take coffee off them. But Brock was kind of saying to me, well, look, to be honest, you know, we're, we're going to have to send a trainer up. Uh, we need to make sure you do a good job. And, and I was kind of getting the idea that rightly so, I suppose I was a few hundred miles away. He didn't know what, I, what the hell I was going to do with his coffee. And, yeah. and he obviously has to protect his brand. So um, I, uh, I basically then said to him, well, I can't afford for all this kind of trainers to come up and stuff. So I'll come down to you. And I suppose the reason why this is a very long-winded answer is that as soon as I went down, sampled the coffee, saw what speciality coffee was all about, it was just like a switch went off. And um, I suddenly thought, Jesus, coffee can actually taste as good as it smells. Yeah. And um, I suppose that's kind of, as I say, my long-winded reason of, of saying how I got into coffee, because I suppose from that moment on, once we got trained up and started using good coffee, um, that was me down the rabbit hole. Yeah. So... Um, Long story short, we um, went from going from takeaway coffee in the in in the shop to then opening a cafe and doubling in size. And um, I suppose it got to the stage then where we really wanted to 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 encompass as many different parts of the, the process as possible. And um, I started roasting in, in a small scale um, two hundred and fifty gram uh, roaster in my in laws' garage, uh, basically. Um, working with a coffee consultant and basically trying to fine tune what I was doing because I'm very much a guy who's into details and I like to test things first before I actually make a leap into anything. So I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So, um, so what, that was maybe three years ago. Um, and we spent a good year and a year and a half, uh, on a small scale, understanding how roasting works. Um, and in doing so, your mistakes are a lot cheaper. So it wasn't burning through coffee, you know, when mistakes were big. Yeah. Um, and the actual roaster itself had both airflow and, and, and gas adjustments so that you could, and drum speed adjustments. So it was for all intents and purposes, a very good roaster, but it was just a very, very small downscaled version. Very good. And so you've kind of, you mentioned some, some great names in Irish coffee or an Irish specialty coffee there, like Colin and, and, and Brock and Badger as well. <clears throat> and also the guys yeah. and ladies who, who do, who've been around for a long time too. Um, is that where you'd kind of like to see New Kid in a few years' time? That you've kind of, you know, like those guys have been around for a long time. Would you like to kind of hopefully grow New Kid to be as kind of big as those those roasters would be at the moment? Um, yeah, we, like we we're very much focused. I suppose we have a say. I don't know whether we have a different focus from other roasters, but I suppose when you're setting up a business, you need to decide what what you are, and it's important that you know Ireland Ireland's a small place. And you kind of have to have a purpose because I think the speciality market is, is pretty much, it's kind of saturated to a certain extent in Ireland because there are so many roasters on board. But I suppose what we see ourselves being is we want to kind of serve somebody who's maybe into their food and into flavor, but aren't necessarily yet into speciality coffee. And, and the reason why I say that is because we, uh, we have a shop that's kind of busy. It's, it's called The Counter in Letterkenny. And... Um, we would, we would be selling a lot of good food to people. So we'd be selling uh, sardo, we'd be selling um, 
really good sorto, we'll be selling really good uh, cheese, we'll be selling really good wine, single, single vineyard wine, craft beer. But of all the customers that come in, they would buy all that stuff and yet they would never really buy coffee. And we, we were kind of wondering, well, why is that? Why are people into all these really good foods? They obviously know what they're talking about, but when it comes to coffee, I, I sometimes think the speciality industry is a little bit, um, I think they're a, a little bit blind to what, how, you know, blissfully ignorant the average Joe is about coffee. And, and not only the average Joe, it's actually people who are into their food don't know about coffee. And I think that's because a lot of roasters and a lot of coffee people uh, assume that the consumer has a level of knowledge that they actually don't, you know, um, so, for example, we're, we're trying to make our, our coffee as accessible as possible by making the bags very, very, very simple. So, um, I mean, a lot of roasters put a lot of information that they're interested in on bags, but stuff that the consumer isn't actually interested in. So, I mean, we know what MASL means. We, we know what washed and natural art is. Um, and, and a lot of, uh, I think, roasters kind of put stuff in the bag that, that they want to put on. Um, that the consumer actually doesn't know about and actually is actually quite off-putting. So I suppose the long, the short answer to, to what we want to do is, is kind of make sure that what we're doing is very consumer focused and, and simple. So for example, our bags are color coded according to, um, to where the region is. So if somebody likes a coffee from Guatemala, they'll always know when they buy it from us, it's going to have a yellow, a yellow label or the goat or little logo will be yellow. Um, and, and each country will have a different, different color. Um, we're also not afraid to sell ground coffee. Now, this is a bit of a, this is one that was a bit difficult for us to kind of get our heads around because I am obviously someone who wants to, to sell coffee the way I would, I would enjoy it. But again, going back to what our kind of mission is, it's to kind of get speciality coffee in front of people. And if that has to be the initial step into growing coffee, then that's what we're going to have to do to do, to do that. Um, but I think uh, everybody, everybody kind of does that these days. Like everybody sells ground coffee because everybody doesn't have a grinder at home or doesn't have a, yeah. a, an, an espresso machine or something. And it's something that we've noticed that being delivered kind of over the, the last couple of years. Initially, it kind of started out that we had more more um, people looking for ground coffee and, and now it's it's definitely more people looking for whole beans but like there's mm. still a there's still a pretty big a big split between the two like it's probably about 60 40 i think at the moment so like a lot of people yeah. will will still want ground coffee at home so i think it's something that, yeah you're right it needs to be more accessible and, and not people not their roasters not be afraid to, to sell a bit of ground coffee yeah i mean it's it's kind of it's the bridge you know it's kind of getting that first foot in the door i mean it's kind of something i felt that i've had to do and hopefully people will then take the next step i mean it it is it is um as i said i'd love to be just selling beans but uh and we are selling more and more and always in a bean format but i mean the coffee behind it still has to be that specialty coffee so all the coffees we sell are 85 point coffees or above they're all seasonal so they'll be harvested within six months it's all the stuff that specialty has been doing but i just feel that uh, and I know that sometimes you can ask what are the trends, the trend I would like to see is kind of a simplification and a slightly more uh, customer focused approach from a lot of roasters because um, I feel that sometimes it's, it feels like a, like, a, like, a, like a boys club where if you don't know the secret codes and the secret keys and the, and the sort of the anachronisms for different things, then you're kind of shut out. So 
hopefully we're, we're kind of going that way um the response was from our own little kind of zone of our shop in terms of sales figures for for what we're selling it's been huge because i think people have been just missing that they love the taste of really good coffee and they want to get into it but they just need a little bit of hand holding to get them get them started if you know what i mean yeah and i think i think going back to kind of accessibility and I think that kind of, you know, consumer education point is something that it's one of the reasons kind of being delivered got started. And especially kind of when we were looking at getting the podcast going again, it's something that's really important is that we want to, to kind of try and make it a bit more accessible and a bit more like kind of talk to people about coffee, make it seem that bit more simple. Cause I, I know what you mean it can, at sometimes you can look at a bag and see loads of words and phrases and, acronyms and you might not have a clue what they mean so you don't you don't want to feel not stupid yeah. but you don't you, you want to know what it is like i just i grabbed one of your your bags that we had last month and it's like says where the coffee is from it was aged in barrels um, uh, and it's best served black like really simple mm. to the point and yeah. kind of how it should be enjoyed and i think you know i think kind of especially that coffee which is something i think we'll have it have a chat about in a minute but i think having that, yeah. that kind of simplicity on the bag is, is great and really important the other stuff is really good too like having like if it's washed or anaerobic and stuff as well but yeah i think mm -hmm. having that really kind of simple message on the front uh, is really good and i didn't realize actually that the, the color coding in the bag it's something that i'd wondered about because you, you sent us a couple of different colored goats <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's kind of a it's a clever way of doing it and I, i've I definitely kind of I see it now that I've been looking at the two different bags and I can see that the blue goat and the the kind of yellow or kind of brown goat on the other one. So that's it. It's a good idea. Yeah, we kind of we stole that idea. I'm sure that people who drink coffee are probably into the craft beer as well. So we stole that idea of um, a local brewery. I'm sure you might have heard of called Kenniger Beer up here in Donegal, mm -hmm. and um, they they kind of did the color coding idea, and, and we thought it was just it was brilliant because people would come into our shop and yeah they they might not know what it was the paleo or the american paleo or the india paleo but what they would do is they would send a friend in and say it's the blue one get me the blue one or get me the red one and that's the way we want i suppose people to, to buy our coffee so so people who buy french press ground will know that that's green so they'll make get their friend to go in so yeah just get me the green one in the brown bag so it's just kind of keep keeping it simple for people and just trying to put the the, the consumer first you know so the the coffee that we had that we featured in January that our subscribers would have been drinking during this month mm -hmm. was a little bit different and a little bit, uh, a little bit special, we'll say, um, than mm -hmm. what you do. Do you want to tell us a bit about, about that one, kind of what you did with it and uh, why it was a bit different? Yeah, so um, that was, um, that was a, a pretty big, it was a big risk um, because it could have been um, either really quite good or, or really quite bad. Um, we, we had kind of tasted uh, a lot of other roasters, um, whiskey, sort of barrel-aged coffees before. And um, we just wanted to do something similar because we have a, we have a distillery up here in Donegal um, called Sleeve League. And um, they, they were experimenting. And I suppose we just wanted to tie in the whole regional thing because um, I suppose we wanted to include wine, whiskey, and coffee, and um, we managed to combine all three because the barrels were 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 previously uh, twice or three times used Rioja barrels, uh, and then once they had been used for purpose, they were then used to age the whiskey for uh, I think it was um, I think it was nine months or or so, 
And then we wanted to take them and then age the green in them for, for, for a while and see what the hell would happen. And we had a couple of things to choose. We, we had obviously the barrels to choose. So we had Rioja ones and we had uh, ones from Ribera del Duro, but the Rioja ones, we just liked the smell off slightly better. Um, and then we had obviously had to choose the beans that go into them. And we'd, we'd, always, uh, we'd always fancied roasting Pacamara and have, have roasted Pacamara before. And if anyone's seen Pacamara, they're very unusual beans because they're huge and they're, they're quite tricky to roast. So we wanted to use Pacamara one because they're a bit of a, a crazy kind of coffee anyway. They're very fruity and very unusual. And if we were going to age something, we might as well combine all the things together and just see what happens. It was just a pure, I suppose it was a bit of a, an experiment. Um, but there was a wee bit of method to our madness because we thought Pacamara being a slightly larger bean will absorb flavors better than smaller beans because they have a higher surface area. So um, we kind of had a quick read up on, on Google about how you age coffee. And um, it basically says that you tend to age them in the barrel for between one week and three weeks. Um, because we, we only wanted a slight influence of the, of the whiskey, we only just did it for a week. Um, so we basically rolled it every day, uh, took out samples, sample roasted it. And once we sort of found that optimum level of kind of whiskey versus coffee, we, we kind of decided, right, get it out and roast it to the best of our ability. So we, we really wanted to make sure that we could kind of get a little bit of all, all three in there, a little bit of the wine, a little bit of the whiskey and a little bit of the coffee. And, um, and hopefully we, we kind of got, got there somewhere. But it, the main thing we didn't want to do was just have something that tasted burnt and whiskey-like, which a lot of the, the whiskey-aged coffees would try before. So um, I think we did an all right job and it, it kind of had a wee bit of an element of all three and, and it got people thinking, I suppose, about slightly different ways of, of, of doing coffee. Definitely, it definitely tasted completely different than, than any others that, that we tried before and, and people have mm. loved it this month. Is it, is it something you think you'd look to maybe do again at some point for a, maybe another Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, definitely. I think the, the next time we do it, we, we used that uh, we used that barrel twice um, we, we used it uh, before Christmas for uh, for the first time we'd tried it so it wasn't our first time experimenting um, unfortunately <laughs> for yourselves we thought the first time the wine came through even more um, because uh, with the first time we used it there was actually that like little uh, powdery red, uh, sort of sediment of wine, dried wine that was in there and the first time uh, we, we aged it it really came through so um, we'd certainly do it again and um, but the most I think you can get out of each barrel is maybe two uses before it starts to fade a little bit but um, but it's an interesting experiment and it's something maybe we do once or twice a year um, but it's, it's as I say it's probably not the type of coffee you'd be drinking every day it's, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sort of you know a one-off Although having said that, we did have one woman who, who wanted us to send up a few bags because she felt like she was drinking an Irish whiskey every morning, but she wasn't getting drunk. So that was kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Very good. And then I suppose in terms of kind of tips, so we're talking about kind of education and, and accessibility in coffee. For people yeah. who are making their coffees at home, what would be your kind of um, top coffee tip that, you, tip that you'd have for, have for them? Yeah. Um, well, I would definitely, I mean, a lot of these are covered when you listen to a lot of people asking about home, home brewing, you know, grind, obviously grind fresh if you can, um, you know, invest in a, in a burr grinder, uh, weigh your coffee and, and get a timer. I mean, those are kind of the sort of 
those are the cornerstones. So if you can just, you know, grind fresh, weigh your coffee, time your extractions, I mean, that's, that's the main thing. Uh, if in terms of my own personal top tip, I would say um, that the Clever Dripper is probably very underused. I think it's probably the best morning brewer that you can get if you want something that's really, really simple and really fast and really delicious. So if I was to make coffee in the morning for me, myself and my wife, that's the thing we use um, because it's easy to clean up. You don't need to stand over it while you're brewing it. And it usually tastes pretty much on, on, the, on the button. Um, we have one of these fancy sage precision brewers. We've had a we've had a mocha master and all that kind of stuff. But the, I, I actually find the Clever Dripper even easier because there's even less of a cleanup. You don't have to clean out the jug. There's, you don't have to clean out the, you know, the, the plastic filter holders and all that kind of stuff. So if, if someone's looking for a really cheap and easy way to go for it, I would say the Clever Dripper every time. And I suppose, I suppose one of the other one of the top tips is, is tend to stay away from an espresso machine unless you're a complete geek, because um, as a lot of people will tell you, espresso is very, very hard to make well <laughs> at home um, and it's very messy. And yeah, so top tip would be stick to filter, you know, unless you're totally geeking it out. Brilliant. Richard, that was great. Thanks for 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 joining us today. Um, really enjoyed that that conversation, and really enjoyed the coffee from New Kid. Um, if people are looking to pick up some more coffee from from you guys during the year, uh, where's the best place for them to to get it at the minute? Yeah, you can either get it at uh, www.newkidcoffee.com, or if you want to add in a few beers and some wine and some cheese and everything else, you can go to uh, www.thecounterdeli.com, and that'll that'll get you there. And that was Richard from New Kid Coffee based in Letterkenny. Really great chat with him and some really great coffee that's been made up there in the northwest of Ireland. Now we're going to have a chat with Dylan from JJ Darpavin and 89 about the coffee that they roast in Dunleary. Today we've also got Dylan, who's a roaster over at JJ Darpovin um, and 89. We're going to have a chat about all things coffee with him today. So thanks for joining to us, joining us. And Dylan, thanks uh, for being with us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. So I suppose we'll get started. Um, if you want to kind of give us a bit of background about the roastery um, and kind of where, where that got started and then where the, the 89 came from as well. Yeah, so um, as I said, we been in the shop no we've had our current location now this is year seven going into year eight and every year at christmas we kind of uh, as a group we sit down and we go okay what are we going to do now how are we going to improve or change or just do something a bit different and um collectively we all kind of that's myself uh graham uh his sister laura and the rest of the team here in the shop and we all kind of tiptoed around and just announced that why don't we start roasting coffee um, uh, or special, special coffee in particular. And um, that's kind of how it came about. There was a space attached to the shop that the guys were, the guys were leaving. So we knew the space was there for what we had or what we wanted to do, I should say. And then that's kind of how it went about it. A couple of months later, we, we got the permission from uh, the larger part of the group, JJ Darbovin. And then myself and Graham were in Emmerich buying a, a 
Probot L12 <laughs> um, uh, kind of fairly quickly after that. Um, but from there, we kind of, obviously like we're kind of deciding on a name. So the time we were launching um, 89 as a kind of an in-house uh, coffee brand or a roasted, roasted in-house, it actually coincided with nearly 30 years that uh, the company had started in Ireland. So uh, Graham and Laura's father, Eamon, who, um, who unfortunately passed before I got to meet him, actually started uh, this branch of Jedrick Boven in 1989. And so we thought, everyone kind of thought it would just be a really nice nod to the company's beginnings, and then adding this new chapter of, you know, third wave uh, specialty coffee in it as well. That's really nice. And I suppose being in the shop in Dunleary as well was a nice kind of tie back to, to, to kind of how things got up. And the family side of the business is really, really nice to hear as well. Yeah, exactly. There, there is a lot of that to us, you know. I'm not, I'm not going to say that you know we treat each other like family because uh, we just don't. But um, it's more of a like ideas are shared. Um, we like when it comes to coffees and things like that. As much as possible, we all we all cupped together. Now we all cup individually, and we do. We all collectively want to improve coffee experience across the board. So um, that's why pushing this forward and moving forward with this, that we, uh, yeah, we decided to go, go in a really gung-ho and uh, create something very special. Do you know, well, we think it's very special for us because you can, eventually when people can come back past their 5K and you can, you can see the roastery in the shop, we have a massive window connecting the shop and the roastery itself. So the theater of roasting is there. Um, and it, it might, I think one of our aims was also to demystify a little bit the process, um, in, in, not in a negative way, but kind of go, look, this, this is what you're actually drinking. Here you can see it. The bags are in the window as well, so you can kind of see the, the whole process from start to finish and, and, and never be afraid to ask the question of, of what's actually happening. We're all very much an open book when it comes to coffee here, so uh, we want to talk about it, you know? And, talk to people or, or with people, I should say, and answer any questions that people have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, well, you no, know, like the, the roasters themselves are a big train. They look like a front of a front of a train or something like they're, they're, they're kind of really unique looking machine or piece of machinery. And I think people probably don't realize kind of how coffee is roasted on them. So it, it is, it's nice to have it in the, that you can see it from, from the cafe as well. So like you said, they kind of demystifies it a bit. Um, and it does add a bit of theater to the to the shop and a bit of a kind of talking point that you know you can see when you can see your your coffee literally going from from being the cup is a, a really good experience for customers yeah exactly you know when when it first kind of launched and um we we were you know roasting away and uh, having people kind of in the shop and looking and obviously you were able to sit down so you'd be there literally drinking the coffee that was coming out of the roastery itself and just i think that would also increase people's understanding of what they like about coffee that bit more as well yeah um which is one thing that we really 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 strive towards of like okay you know this is what you like so let's break that down and see if we can enhance what it is that you like um, yeah, so it is that, that I think 
it's one of the main reasons we wanted to launch the roastery of that like yes we have all these uh, amazing products that are brought to us uh, by uh, the larger part of Darboven but now we have this other little thing as well that we can bring you in on a little bit more and let you see the whole process how it's happening obviously from the street you can smell the coffee roasting um, and that might entice you a little bit more so as I say it's really just kind of about being a bit more of an open book and kind of maybe helping people understand what it is they like about it a bit more. Yeah. And, and how did you get kind of started in there or how did you get started in roasting? Like where did you kind of pick up or where did you learn? I suppose. In the roasting, it came about when we had that meeting of why don't we start roasting coffee? And I think it turned around and goes, well, Dylan, you were the first to, to say roasting, so you're going to be the roaster. You the short straw, did you? In a way, it's also like I've been a barista for a long time, so I've been with the guys since pretty much they opened. Um, and I was in a restaurant before that, uh, you know, back when baristas were called baristos. Um, and uh, I think it was a natural change, you know, moving up. I'm still a trainer for the company. I still work on bar as well uh, in the shop. But a lot of my work would then would have moved now, shifted towards the roastery itself. Um, and training-wise, I have a gentleman by the name of Freddie, who is one of the head roasters for Darboven, uh, spend a week here with me. And that was just amazing. Really, like, the man just went near the roaster and everything was explained. He knew absolutely everything. Why is this happening now? Why is that happening then? Um, and it was it was a crazy week of hard going education. But at the end of it, he just kind of went, "Look, you don't need me anymore. So you guys can go about it on your own now." I'm very happy to walk away and uh, say that you have been officially trained. You know, That's which was great, great to have someone. Have, yeah, it's great to have someone have that confidence in you then after yeah. such a short space of time. And you said you roast on a probat, is that what you said? Yes, a 12 kilo probat. Uh, I think it's the L12, the L series. Um, at the time, it was, it was the newer models. I know they've launched now the P series uh, in, in a pandemic, which is crazy and amazing. But uh, yeah, we, we have a 12 kilo, uh, newly made. She's only two years old now. Um, we, it actually doesn't have a name yet. We still debate over should we name it. <laughs> but it's an amazing piece of machinery an amazing workhorse do you know we uh, haven't had any issues we we it's able we're able to maintain it very well as also you know we the benefit of having 89 as part of a large company is we have a great team of engineers who don't just look after machines and train people they're able to also help me look after the roaster itself um, because you know, I'm not an engineer. I'm a, I'm a guy who makes coffee on a daily basis. So my nuts and bolts knowledge might not necessarily be the best, which you can tell from the shelves in my house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just be to, to be honest about it. But um, yeah, it's, we. I think when the discussion came again came about roasting, there was never any question. We go with a pro bash. I think that's the image we all had in our heads of a coffee roastery. Do you know? Yeah, yeah, it's 
Yeah, they, they're a really nice machine. They just look, uh, I love how they look. They just, like, if anybody has a chance to get over yeah. or is in, is in Dunleary or near Dunleary or, or even when, when things kind of turn for the better, like, definitely get over and have a look in the window and have a look in the cafe and see the roaster because they're just a, a real, like, from an engineering side of, side of things, they're just, they're so well put together. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was, um, that was quite an amazing experience, actually going to the factory where they build them and getting the, the, uh, the tour. And uh, we actually, we did a roast on, uh, on a 12 while we were there, kind of deciding what, which one to kind of, to buy or to what size kind of thing. And uh, we decided to go with the 12, not only just because it, it was kind of very elegant, but the roast that we did out of it, with having no real knowledge, um, in fairness, tasted amazing, do you know? Um, and we were just, yeah, I think from the get-go, like, I think, uh, for me personally, when you think of a coffee roastery, the first image that pops into your head is that very much is the image of a probat, which is almost like a Thomas the Tank Engine look off it. Yeah. Um, I think that's the best way to describe it, like the Thomas the Tank. I've had it to a few roasters who use them, and it's, it's always kind of the analogy that comes up is that it looks like Thomas the Tank, but it's just a big, yeah. a big black roaster as opposed to a, a blue fire engine or blue train engine. So, um, yeah, they, they they have a great shape to them. I, yeah, I, I love them. I think they look really, really cool. And they've just got, there's something, they're just really, I don't know, I think the first time I've seen the roasters kind of in action, like I was surprised by what it looked like. I don't know what I was expecting, but I was yeah. surprised by, by what it looked like. And I was like, oh, that's, that's how it works. Oh, and it just makes so much sense. You know, like for, I think for many of us, when we start off in any form of coffee, like be it working on bar or something like that, that um, the idea of seeing the roastery is a very distant thing. Like you, you have a vague notion of what happens, but then when you get to, go through the whole process and see the whole process um it, it kind of opens up all these other opportunities and and things go on in your head because it is that like you walk up to it and you're like you're walking up to this blinged out steam train that's producing this stuff that we uh, you know we all need we all enjoy in our lives making the seed go from green to brown to to some degree um and it's as noisy as a train. If you, like, obviously, when things back open uh, and people can experience it, if you get to go near a roastery during roast day, um, it is noisy. It's like being in a train yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're quite loud. They're quite loud, all right? Yeah. I suppose kind of speaking of, of going from green to brown, so the, the coffee <clears throat> that um, you roasted for us last week, right? Thursday, Friday last week? Um, Friday, yeah, it was on Friday. Friday. Um, is from an area or a country that we haven't featured before on, on being delivered. So it's from Myanmar, which is in the news. Um, I suppose at the moment there's a lot of kind of civil unrest in the country. Um, but it's it's great that we've got to been able to feature this country and the coffee from there as somewhere that we haven't looked at before. So um, it's something that when I spoke to Karen. Um, earlier yeah. in the year about it. it was very excited when she was saying it was from Myanmar I've only had a couple of coffees from there before and they've been really really great so we were delighted to, to have that one this month and um, do you want to give us a bit of, a bit of background on the coffee and what kind of people should be looking to expect 
Yeah, so um, it's a naturally processed coffee um, from a series of small holders, and it's grown uh, between 1,000 and 1,500 uh, meters above sea level. Um, but taste-wise, it's very much a, a nice slow sipper, if you will. So you're going to go through a really nice, delicate journey throughout the whole cup. Um, like you'll start off, uh, you know, and obviously this will hit in, at different points for, for different people. But, you know, here when we, we tested it, you get this really nice mango start to it, a um, little bit of apricot, but tons of strawberry. Um, like your aroma is very floral, has this really nice fresh strawberry thing going on. Um, and then mix that with these very intricate but very noticeable green tea kind of layers. Uh, and then finishing in what's basically uh, Nutella light, if I if I can say that. But um, <clears throat> we were all like, again, like yourself, not many of us had any experience with coffee from from that area. So, <clears throat> excuse me. When we started testing it and uh, cupping and then moving to brewing, we were just amazed by what was coming out of it. Do you know? Um, yeah, and really like obviously, what what happened in the country, uh, uh, we no, we didn't obviously nobody saw it coming. So, um, hopefully, everything will will settle down and go to what it should rightly be, and we'll be able to get that coffee again. You know? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great actually to get it get it in again, and we're really looking forward to to sending this one out. Um, and then one thing that. You guys have kind of done a lot of work on over the last couple of years is the sustainable side of things so i know you do your tins and mm. the kind of smaller tins for whatever that you have in the cafe but also the bigger tins that are for wholesale customers so how did that come about well it was with the idea of the roastery we kind of felt we had a responsibility to move in a more sustainable direction because we're we it is a small roastery but we're also encased in a town do you know like we are literally in the center of dunleary so to we had this just idea of like okay so we're going to move in a sustainable direction and keep going in that and improve upon that every year and then straight away we had our bags and then the tins came about with just that idea of like, okay, so let's try and do something that we can keep reusing and uh, for as long as, the, uh, as, as we can. And that's when the tins really came about. Um, and they've really, really worked out very well for us, even just in terms of the, the amount of bags that we haven't sent out because of them. Um, I don't know the official number off the top of my head, but it's, it's crazy when you think about it. Yeah. Do you know? Um, and we were going to keep pushing with that. Like our bags, our regular retail bags are recyclable as well. Um, so we just want to keep pushing that aspect of everything and, and just keep improving upon um, how do we... Uh, hold on. But uh, yeah, we still have a mind to keep improving our sustainability. So like a lot of the waste from the roastery as well, so the bags... Um, the chaff, that all goes out to the public. Uh, we have it outside in the shop front and you can come take it for whatever kind of compost or gardening needs that you wish. Uh, 
we also send out some of the, the sacks, the coffee comes in to wholesale customers or uh, retail customers as well. Um, just so people can kind of see like everything. This is, this is the product of all this roasting. Um, and even, even with this current pandemic situation, the, the tins, they're clean, they're disinfected, um, just to make sure everything is still safe, but still maintaining that sustainability within the project. Yeah, brilliant. Making, make, making coffee at home has become kind of such a, a huge thing, especially over the last year with the, with the pandemic. Um, with people mm. not being able to get to, unfortunately, not being able to get to cafes as they, as they used to. What would your kind of top tip be for people who are making coffee at home? Um, really, it's too far. Like, I, I don't change anything in terms of when I'm making coffee. Like, I brew a Chemex, I have the larger one, so I'm always brewing a large amount of coffee. Uh, I just keep everything as much the same as possible. The only thing that really changes is the beans in the grinder. Um, so like my grind size and everything, in that way then I know I have all this repeatability and that I think is the main key, is don't change too much when you're making coffee. Because um, that way if you repeat, if, it makes it easier I think. Uh, is that a really good point? Yeah, no, yes. You find, you find, you find <laughs> what works and then you find what works. Exactly, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, look, I, I know I've made, I've made brews at home that they really didn't work. Yeah. But it's only true that repeating the same steps over and over again that they have. Um, but also, one thing that uh, we've been really gotten into here in the shop is freezing coffee. Um, in vacuum sealed packages and uh, test tubes. Right. So like we, uh, we're working on a project still for when eventually we can reopen, where you'll come to the, the shop and you'll have, well, well, at the minute, you'll always have four espresso options, uh, but you could, we could have anywhere between maybe 25 to 40 coffees on offer at one time. Because it's because you can use the, the frozen ones that are there. Exactly, yeah. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. I suppose it gives you a huge amount of variety then whenever you if you're going to the cafe you can you, you could kind of you, you could have a different coffee every day than once nearly. Well that that's kind of our thinking of like the, the pandemic caused us to to rethink a lot of how we share these experiences with people. Um do you know I I think anyone who who works in any aspect of coffee like we all started doing brew videos for people. But I think part of the problem with that is like, say for example, we don't always use, we're not all using the same water. Yeah. yeah. Like if you really, if like really actually the best tip I could probably give is know what water you're using. Yeah. And not, not necessarily totally filtered, but softened water, I think would be better. Yeah, um, massive. And it's something that I think it, it's something that we don't talk about enough when it comes to coffee. Like yeah. what's in your cup is water. So that's going to make the biggest difference. And yeah, I think um, making sure your water is right. And if you live in an area where you haven't got great water, you know, that you can look at using things like filtered water or Brita filters or, you know, even kind of, it's not a great way, but bottles of like Volvic and stuff, but there's definitely ways around it as well. Yeah, exactly. Cause like it go, you know yourself, like you could, 
use water from the tap, but that'll make a coffee that could be mellow and delicate turn to like acidic and non-drinkable or overly acidic and non-drinkable. Do you know? Yeah, exactly. Look, Dylan, you've been great with your time today and I really appreciate you joining us. Um, looking forward, really looking forward to sending out this coffee from, from Myanmar in the next few days. Um, if people are looking to find out more um, about you guys and obviously where the cafe is, where can they, where's the best place for them to, to get you? Uh, you can get us on Instagram at JJ Dubrovin Dun Leary. Um, and let me see, we also, we also have a, a Twitter, which is JJ Dubrovin IE, um, if I remember correctly. Hold on, let me find that out. Yes, JJ Dubrovin Ireland. So uh, JJ Dubrovin IE. Uh, or on the Facebook as well, which is uh, JJ Dubovin Ireland. And we respond to messages really, really quickly um, and all the time. And you can get ask us anything, literally, about coffee. Um, and even if you want to know what's in the shop on the very back shelf, at the very back of the, of the shop itself, uh, <laughs> you just give us a call and we'll tell you. Um, Brilliant. So, yeah. Course, Thanks very much for having me. Things do get back to uh, some type of normality. Try and get over to some area and get in for a, a cup of coffee as well. And that was Dylan from JJ Darkhaven. Really enjoyed that chat with him to hear about the coffee that's been roasted in Dunleary in Dublin. Next on the podcast, we'll have different coffee professionals and enthusiasts. If there's anybody you would like to hear on the podcast, reach out, get in touch. We're at being delivered on Instagram or at being underscore delivered on Twitter. Until next time, I've been your host, James Coffee, and this has been Coffee Chats Coffee.